Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hi there, I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you design fast, deliver strong, without the stress. Welcome to another episode of the First Time Facilitator Podcast. This is a solo episode. I think what I'm going to do now, I've got this limited season run of podcasts to promote the book, but definitely getting a lot of new listeners. So I thought I'd just maybe extend it out a little bit more. There's an interview coming up next week that I want to sort of riff on in today's solo episode and sort of in leading up to sharing that one. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm actually wearing my Welsh rugby jersey. This morning, I woke up at five o'clock to watch our Australian Wallabies playing the Rugby World Cup against the Welsh. It was a very disappointing result for the Australian team. Now, I've got a Welsh heritage, so this is my team now moving forward. And it probably explains why my voice is also a little bit <laughs> rough. Uh, maybe it was the weekend as well. Anyway, in this, today's episode, I'll talk more about what I've been up to, as well as what I'm really keen to focus on today is a discussion around gift wrapping information. What do I mean by that? I mean... Uh, sharing it and packaging it in a way that makes it memorable and easy for you to work through and help design your sessions as well as your group to figure out like what path they're on and what is next. I'm talking about creating frameworks. And this is really the underpinning thing that um, is in my book, The Two-Hour Workshop Blueprint. The thing that unlocked the design fast element was creating a framework. So I'll talk more about um, my thoughts around that, how you can design your own frameworks and so maybe some tools you can use to be like brainstorming buddies as you work through that. My week has been phenomenal. I flew down to Melbourne last Thursday, caught up with Michael Bungay-Stania and Dr. Jason Fox, who have both been guests on this podcast. They ran this really great experience down in Melbourne it started at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I left at about eight o'clock in the evening, but they had three different types of formats as part of that. So the first was a two hour workshop. How great, right? It's a great time frame. Uh, two hour workshop by uh, Michael Bungay Stania talking about his latest book, How to Work with Almost Anyone. He ran that in an incredibly interactive way, sharing gems, uh, stories, anecdotes along the way. Then we had a 30 minute break for drinks, networking, and then came back for a 90 minute fireside chat with Jason and MBS on stage, just sort of, it was unscripted, had a few bullet points. I was just riffing on things that were top of mind for them, kind of like a, um, a podcast, but wasn't an interview, more of a conversation. And I'm sharing the format of this because if you're thinking about designing an event, it doesn't have to just be a workshop. There's other ways that you can do it. And then the third part of that was then uh, we had a break. Uh, I think there was some more networking drinks at the venue. And then we all collectively, as a group of about 100 people, walked over to a local brewery for the third part of the day, which was a speakeasy. And there was no sort of end time frame for that, but it went for about a couple of hours. And Jason, uh, as the host, really created an atmosphere where you felt like you could just walk up to anyone at this event and just have a conversation. And it wasn't a shallow conversation either. You get into really in-deep types of chats. And actually, my friend Paula McCarthy, I want to give her a shout out. When we got to the bar, we were one of the first people there. We were leading the way with Jason, even though I had no idea where I was going. <laughs> but um, Paul's like, Leanne, let's just stand at the bar. Because uh, the second you sit down, you kind of caught, not caught in a conversation, but it's, once, you're, once you're sitting down, it's really difficult to then network and move around. So we just stayed at the bar, or I did, stood there the whole time and uh, just saw who would walk past and strike up conversations um, as well. For me, it's more about the quality and the depthness of the conversation versus the amount of people I get to see. So uh, that's my approach to it. Unfortunately, you missed out on talking to some great people that you would have liked to have connected with, but um, hey, that's part of 
life you know hopefully there's opportunities then to catch up with uh with more people and, and hear their stories as well i also went to the football on saturday had an amazing corporate seat there uh champagne i did an episode two weeks ago about turning 40 I, I don't really celebrate birthdays that much but this has been a huge celebration and now it's all about getting life back on track the next week's podcast is, is a conversation around uh frameworks and models and our favorite ones and it's the framework idea it's so interesting because I've been brought up reading a lot of sort of business books and there's a lot of like standout frameworks that we know about, right? So there's, you know, when Simon Sinek drew his, the, the why, right? Having why in the middle, then there's how, then there's what. And then Covey popularized the Eisenhower matrix, right? So important versus urgent on the two by two. We see Venn diagrams everywhere. And I don't really see myself as a thought leader. I like calling myself a thought breeder in terms of uh, generating ideas and sharing them as opposed to just leading. But I never really got into frameworks until last year when I really had to start developing workshops quickly. And the thing that made it fast was creating a framework. If you were on my email newsletter last year, you would have noticed things shifted uh, last year. Every second Tuesday, I would do something called two by Tuesday, where I would create a two by two matrix uh, in relation to solving a problem. And I'd share that on the podcast and on YouTube as well and through the email newsletter. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to get over my own fear of creating a framework. So how I did that was, again, just by making a commitment to do one every Tuesday, every second Tuesday, but also to keep in mind that all it is is gift wrapping information, right? You don't need a PhD to create a framework. And that for maybe 35 plus years of my life was what I thought about. Like, oh, you have to, you have to have done something or like, I don't know, this irrational idea that I had to be uh, more intelligent or I had to seek out more before I created a framework. And now after doing it for so many, like so many episodes last year, I have no problem creating frameworks now. So I guess there's, maybe there's a lesson in there for you is if you're, I don't know if you're, you're feeling the fear of creating a framework or putting your stamp, like, you know, in terms of uh, creating that authority. But for me, it was just like, let's just do it uh, and, and have fun with it. And look, some of these frameworks from last year, some of them weren't the best, but through then you get some like two or three really good ones that, that actually emerge. Even that concept of thought breeder came out because I was looking at, at, at thought leadership and comparing like generating the ideas versus sharing the ideas, like consuming and creating. Um, and I tend to, you know, because I listen to podcasts and you're listening to this podcast, sometimes I do a lot of consumption and it feels like I'm creating progress, but I'm not actually taking the ideas and things that I'm learning, synthesizing them and then sharing them. And I think that's what thought leadership slash thought breedership is about as well. The other reason why I wanted to really focus on a framework was um, information that I talk about Jenny Blake all the time on this podcast. Jenny Blake, she's the author of uh, Free Time. I found her work through a book called Pivot. And it was in a moment in my career, this is before, by the way, Pivot became the most popular word in 2020. I read her book, I think is in 20, 2018. Uh, was it early? Yeah, maybe 2017. I heard her on Pat Flynn's podcast. I heard about this book called Pivot. And I grabbed the book because uh, I was going through a time in my career where I was like, I'm not really, uh, what am I actually doing with my life or my career? I don't really feel comfortable. Am I getting the opportunities? And Pivot had a four-step framework for figuring out what you want to do next. And the framework was to plant, scan, pilot, and launch. So plant in your existing strengths and what you're good at. Do that self-reflection. Scan is look for the opportunities, people, projects, 
pilot is when you actually take an experiment. So you don't actually like jump all in and commit to anything. You might be like a small experiment that you can take. So signing up for a 90 day project or volunteering somewhere just to sort of detect like what do you actually like and getting that fuel and intelligence before then the final step, which is launching in and making that commitment, right? Capital L launch, uh, changing jobs, quitting your job to start a business, that type of thing. And what struck me the most about that framework was when I was navigating my own career and trying to figure out what I wanted, the first thing I was doing was going to scan, right? So I'd open up this, this website in Australia called seek.com. I would open that up immediately and be like, what are the opportunities? And I didn't do any of the planting in existing strengths or interests or what gave me sort of flow and energize me or decided what I was like at my best. I just jumped straight into looking for things. And I think when we do that, we're not really solving for what we need. We're just looking for like, what's the opportunity that can fit my needs right now. Uh, and I knew that. So what happened for me when I did that exercise and went through that framework was that actually I had a lot of opportunities in my own workplace where I was at. I just needed to, sh to shift my mindset on what I could actually offer and how did I sort of redirect my energy and look for opportunities where I could then run workshops and MC and do things like that. And, and that's how I really started like loving my job and my work and flying around the world, uh, delivering these workshops and also starting the podcast. So that framework, super powerful for me. And the fact that I can share that with you very easily is because it's gift wrapped information. I don't have to talk you through all the book or the case studies. There's four simple words I had to remember. So Jenny's advice when writing a book is to have an underpinning framework because it's super powerful, right? Um, and so that's why with the two hour workshop blueprint, I created the spark framework. Now, I actually had a lot of different acronyms when it came to what is this process of designing workshops? Um, Spark, I was a little bit, I was hesitating with it because it's five words. So set up, power up, activities, review and keep. But I couldn't, all five are really important. I didn't really want to uh, dilute it because it's, yeah, you need all five, I think, personally, particularly like those last two, review and keep, which are not typically my strengths, right? I'll go, I'll do a lot of in the setup and run the workshop and then I'm like moving on to the next bright thing as opposed to actually what worked, what can I keep for next time, what activities are awesome, how could I have improved an instruction better, right? So that's, I think that's probably the most interesting part about the blueprint, I think, is the focus on what you do afterwards as opposed to like just stacking um, that first step of, of setup. But how I came up with that was I um, reflected on my own experiences designing workshops and how I got the speed to, to do that. And I wrote down my sort of method uh, in about, you know, it was only like a couple hundred words. And I use the ultimate brainstorming buddy now, which uh, look, I love brainstorming with people, but also if you don't have anyone around and you're a solopreneur, opening up a new tab and going to, to chat GPT is really good. So I just, I had this like method, I threw it in there. I said, can you give me some acronyms that are also words, right? Give me some acronyms that are also words uh, that could be used to describe this process. And it gave me all these different ones. I think one was uh, Blaze, B-L-A-Z-E. Um, but I think spark is actually the word that I wanted. I, I talk a lot about you know, sparking collaboration, sparking ideas, sparking insights. And I thought that's the perfect verb for this. And I actually love that it's a verb as well, spark, um, to, to light up. So that's another, so if you're thinking of like, how do I, how do you create your framework? That might be an idea for you. What else you could put into ChatGPT in terms of prompts could include things like, um, I want an acronym, uh, that has alliteration. So the three A's or three C's, like just give me uh, an acronym that has this, that starts with the same letter, right? Alliteration. You could also ask for, give me words that rhyme. 
So the uh, Clifton Strengths, they've got a very powerful three-step framework. If you're running uh, a session with a group, it's name it, claim it, and aim it, right? Super easy to for you to consider. So with that Strengths Workshop, if I go do like a half day, you know, two hour, two, two hour or half day session with a group, I mean, you could even flex this over for longer is I think, all right, these are the three segments. Name it is just became, becoming familiar with what your strengths are, what they actually mean. Um, claim it is how do those strengths play out for you every day and how do you see them? How do you see them in other people, right? So just claim it and going, oh, yeah, so this is a time when ideation really uh, stood strong for me. Ideation is my number one. And then the third step is aim it, aim it. So like how do you then redirect? Now that you have this insight, you can name it. You know how it actually looks like? How can you start then moving it to future you and bringing it in every day? Now, you could use the same framework if you're running a disc profile, right? You could still do name it, claim it, aim it. If you're running a, um, even like team coaching, you could use it. There's absolute variability there. So frameworks don't actually have to just all be about a training or sharing content. It could be used to for a process. And we see this with the ADCAR model, right? The change um, model, ADCAR. Awareness, desire, knowledge, Ability and reinforcement. I had to pause there for a second. It's been a while since I've spoken about ADCAR. That, that helps you as a change consultant then just quickly um, give, give someone that information. So, and, and I feel like, um, I mean, ADCAR, it doesn't rhyme. It, so like, it, it, there's, there's no alliteration there, but it's still very easy to remember, like very easy for you to say. The, the only thing though was like thinking like, what does that second A actually stand for? I mean, there's two different types of um workshops here and the two-hour workshop blueprint really is more focused on sharing content and information and packaging up your expertise in a way that resonates with the group and that's why it's written off the back of i actually encourage you to create a framework in that book but if you're looking at process consulting the name claim aim the four-step process the three things you want to get through um, what that does is it gives it's kind of like a gps again it, it gives people a map of hey here's where you want to end up and I think these are the three key things that might enable us to make some progress today or over the week as well. Uh, similar with strategy, right? So when I do sentient strategy with groups, I'm using Alan Weiss's framework where we actually map. So awareness of the environment, how well do you and the enterprise view and understand the environment in which you're operating in? So that's one, one axis. And then consciousness of available actions. That's the second axis. How well informed are you of the actions that are available to you? So in a strategy session, opening up with that two by two is brilliant. And this is why frameworks are super powerful because the second you have a framework, your group, I mean, I want it, the second I see a framework, framework, I'm constantly thinking, hmm, where do I fit into this framework? I want to place myself somewhere. And then as a workshop host, as a workshop facilitator, you can ask the group, you know, where do you think your place, where do you think your organization is placed? And very quickly, if you're seeing like dots all over the two by two, not in the same place, you can see there's a question around, okay, I have a sense here that we're not aligned on where the organization is. Let's have a conversation around that. And the magic of a two by two is that, let's just say you're running an event, uh, like you're running a workshop and you've got uh, like people in a room. So they can either draw it and place themselves somewhere. You can also get them to move over to your two by two matrix. So you might map it out, grab that Bunnings blue painter's tape, put it on the floor. Okay, um, where would you place yourself? And unrelated to strategy, but you might even graph what Michael talked about last week was um, the work that we do. So there's two axes there, right? What are you good at? So what are you great? Like, what are you really good at? What are you not so good at on the y-axis? Then the x-axis, what fulfills you? Uh, it's fulfilling or it's not fulfilling. So you could have like, you know, then throw like, right, writing, uh, 
spreadsheets. Are you good at it or are you fulfilled by it? Where do you place yourselves? And then you could throw in another question, right? Or if you think about your week, what quadrant are you spending most of your time in? What quadrant do you want to be spending most of your time in? What needs to shift for you to get to that quadrant? And that I think is the beauty of of having a framework is because very quickly you can tell where am I now? What am I good at? What am I not so good at? Where do I want to be? What will it take to get there? And this applies to not only like an X, Y or two by two matrix, but even Venn diagrams, um, process maps, like what part of the journey are you on? There's just so many amazing questions that fall off the back of having a really strong framework. So when I wrote, well, when I was running and delivering all these workshops that I had to design very quickly last year, what I ended up doing, and again, the premise of the book, the two hour workshop blueprint, is that I asked myself in a very casual way, if someone in my group wants to get to this result, if they want to get better at managing time or being a better communicator or whatever the question is, what are the three things that are going to unlock that for them? Two or three. And I just sort of brainstorm that on a piece of paper. I'd see what the patterns were, if I could clump any ideas together. And ideally down to yeah, either two, two or three things. So if it's two things, that then it goes on a two by two and I can map the extremes against each other. I think there's a really good book out there called The Magic. I'll put a link to it, The Magic of a Two by Two Framework. And it just goes through all different two by twos and how to create them. But really with a two by two, all you want to do is you get those two things. So like MBS did with, uh, are you good at it or are you fulfilled by it? And you play off the extremes for those, right? A Venn diagram is just three things that are important. And that could be, um, an, so a Venn diagram is like an ingredient style. So these three ingredients are important to get the result. Whereas if you've got the three steps or the three, uh, the three ladder rungs, that's more of a linear process. You need to go to step one first before you go to step two. So name it, claim it, aim it is a three-step process. You can't aim it if you don't know what it is, if you can't name it, right? But with a Venn diagram, you can say the intersection of these three things uh, is a requirement to get the result. And then when you design your workshop, let's just say it is a two-hour workshop, you can break that into like 25-minute segments for each one. Or you could have like a series of three two-hour workshops, right, where you talk about uh, topic one, then the second one's topic two, and then topic three. So it really helps you as the workshop host to break that down and even think about like how much time and energy you put into each one or how do you self-assess against each one and even think about like what is your strength when it comes to that. Like I said before, with my own Spark framework, I think my strength is in the setup, not so much the R and the K. And, and that's why I wrote those parts in because it's something I need to step up um, and be better at as well. The other advantage of a framework is that you do look like a thought leader. The second you've got, you've packaged something up into a framework and you've gone into Canva and designed something up, you have authority. It's so strange, right? Because you could be, you could write like a whole pot of blogs about something, but if you convert that into a framework, it just gives you a new level of authority. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because we love to see, uh, we associate frameworks with, um, with clear thinking and clarity. That's probably it. With a framework, you shouldn't really need to explain it, right? People can see the framework and go, I understand that without having to read an 800 word article or listen to a podcast. I see it, I get it. That is the value as well. That whole gift wrapping process of information can boost the perception in the market of the work and expertise that you have as well. Okay, that's it. I'm so curious, like, are you building frameworks? Do you have frameworks? Are you using other people's frameworks? I mean, like there's so many that are around, right? That have the reason they can spread and be viral is because we can talk about them very easily. The GROW framework, Goal, Reality, Options, Way Forward is a coaching model framework. The SBI uh, framework for feedback, Situation, Behavior, Impact. Okay, There's a reason why 
I can recall them really quickly. It's because it's been packaged up beautifully and easily for me to share uh, with others as well. It's just lowering that friction of information exchange. So there we go. That's why I love having frameworks uh, to underpin my workshops and actually even the work that I do and the way that I think. And uh, let me know what you think. Are you building frameworks? Do you use some in your sessions as well? Have you found that it's, it's easy then to spin off questions off the back of those? Let me know your thoughts and look forward to chatting to you next week.